Please take your Bible and hold it up in the air. Did you bring your Bible with you today? I hope you did. And if you'd please turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to look there in a few moments' time. But if you can just get your finger there so long. Heavenly Father, as we spend a few moments around your word, we ask that you would cause your word to come alive in our hearts. Lord, we cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you that you nourish us through your word. Thank you that you sustain us and you strengthen us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just to say that last week we continued with our theme of communion with God and in particular we focused on the Holy Spirit leads us into revelation. And today we'll also continue with communion with God as we focus on a life of pursuing God. That's the title of this message, a life of pursuing God. Now, a life of pursuing God is, interestingly enough, one of the major themes in the book of Hebrews. Did you know that? In Hebrews, it's a central theme, a life of pursuing God. And Thirteen times in the book of Hebrews, the author uses the phrase, let us. And then he explains something, let us this, let us that, let us the next thing, let us. And he uses this phrase, let us, in order to spur us on to pursue God. That's why this theme is there throughout Hebrews. Now, the authorship of the book of Hebrews is not too clear. We're not exactly sure who wrote the book. Uh, perhaps it may have been Paul. Perhaps it may have been Barnabas or Luke. Some say Apollos wrote the book of Hebrews, or perhaps even somebody else. But let's take a look at some of these occasions where the let us phrase appears, and in so doing, let's encourage ourselves in pursuing God. So there's 13 times where it occurs. So there's 13 points this morning, and we're going to be busy here till lunchtime today. Just kidding. We're just going to look at six points, all right? The first six of these 13. Tell your person next to you, praise the Lord, he's joking. Hebrews 4 and verse 1. Hebrews 4 verse 1 now. Uh, please keep your Bible open in Hebrews to the time of our sharing. In Hebrews 4 and verse 1 it says the following. It says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us, that's let us number one, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. That's it. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. And the first of six aspects around these six things that we're looking at, number one, let us be careful 
that we don't miss the fullness of God's blessing upon our lives. Number one, let us be careful that we don't miss the fullness of God's blessing. I'm thinking of Saul, King Saul. At one point in his life, he said, I have played the fool. He had messed around and in so doing, not experienced the fullness of God's blessing upon his life. Another person in the Bible was Samson. Sometimes Samson did what he needed to do. Other times he missed it. And it's been said of Samson that he experienced only God's second best. Maybe you can think of a person that you know who is saved, but you realize that they are not pursuing God's best for them. They mess around with the things of God. They, they're not really seeking God with a heart that is passionately after God. And, and sometimes they're drawing closer to God, and other times they're messing around. And That's not the way God wants it to be. And in this verse, it says, basically, let us be careful that we don't come short of it. That doesn't speak about not being saved, but I believe it speaks about you know, a life where we just experience a little bit of God, but don't really experience the fullness of His blessing in our lives. It's kind of choosing to live at B-level Christianity or determining, no, 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 I'm going to go for everything God has for me, and I'm going to live A-level Christianity. Now, uh, my son and I, Jason, who's, who's nine years old, uh, we were the other day in a games room at a particular place, and Jason and Michael had discovered playing darts. And they were very excited about this, and they had never really played darts before. Uh, and so they started getting into this thing of darts. And they played just about all week long, when we were, a weekend long, that when we were at this place. And eventually, Jason begged me, Jad, come on, you, you must play, you must play with me, you must play, you know. And your kids, eventually, they get to you, and you do what they ask. <laughs> uh, maybe that's just me. But in any case, so I ended up playing a nice game of darts with my boy. It was our first game together. And I actually felt quite sorry for those darts because they were going everywhere except the dartboard. And we were playing on a brick surface and the front of these darts were hidden into these bricks. And, and uh, behind the dartboard there was a, like an absorbent piece of wood or foam or something like that. But many of these darts were going all over the place. But the more we played, the better he got. And I must confess, I was flabbergasted to discover my son genuinely beat me at darts on that day. How's that for a nine-year-old? But interesting, the aim is that you get the dart into the dartboard, firstly. And if you can get it into the dartboard, the closer you can get it to the bull's eye is what you want. But oftentimes, the darts didn't make it to the dartboard. They kind of came short of it and ended on the floor. And I think sometimes it's a little bit like that in our walk with the Lord. God's plan is that our lives would hit the target that He has planned for us. And sometimes in, in messing around and in not really seeking God with all of our hearts, we end up falling short. Okay, maybe we still hit the dartboard, but we don't come too close to the core of what God has for us. 
I don't want to be a person that lives half-heartedly for God. I want to be a person that lives flat out for God, that says, God, I want your will. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Paul, the apostle, experienced the fullness of God's blessing. At the end of his life, he could say the following from 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 to 8. He said, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and my time of departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I haven't fallen short, in other words. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Make sure that you don't miss out on God's full blessing for your life. Maybe where you're at in terms of how you walk with the Lord at the moment, maybe it's okay, but get a vision of how it could be. Get a vision of, of you could be more on fire for God. Get a vision of you could experience more of the blessings of God. Get a vision of you could have more of the revelation of God in your life. And don't stay where you are, but keep moving forward. Number two, the second let us of six. Let us realize that it involves effort on our part. Have a look at verse 11 of Hebrews 4. Verse 11. It says there, let us be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now, in my Bible, the New King James Version, it says, let us be diligent. In the King James Version, it says, let us labor. The Good News Bible says, let us do our best. The International Standard Version says, let us make every effort. The uh, ESV translation, suddenly I can't remember what that means, says, let us strive. Let us strive to enter into that rest. What is this basically saying? It says that there is an effort on our part. It's to have a heart of seeking. It's to have a heart of pursuing God. And at times I've said to you, you don't need to develop yourself. You just need to allow God. But in that allowing, there is some degree of effort. Because it's not always easy. It's easier to do just what pleases you. But to align yourself and say, God, I want you to work in my life. And say, God, would you work in my life? And having that heart of longing, having that heart of pursuing God, does require some degree of effort on our own part. Number three, the third, let us. Let us hold fast to what we believe. This is Hebrews 4 still, and look at verse 14. It says, There is seen then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. There was a book that was written called, Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? I want to ask you this question. Have you felt at some point in your life like letting go? The Bible says we must hold fast. But maybe you've been at a point where you've 
actually thought about letting go. You say, I've been holding on to God so long, my knuckles are white, I'm tired of this. Oh, Jesus, help me. And you even come to a point where you're ready to almost let go. I want to tell you a story about a person who let go. In my previous congregational environment, I was looking after a certain congregational area, and there was a guy and his wife, and they had two uh, lovely young daughters, about three or four years apart from each other. And they moved up from the Mpumalanga area. They had been involved in a church there. I think it was in White River or something. And this was really a lovely couple with their hearts that were after the Lord. And he had been involved as a home cell leader in that particular congregation. But as I began to get to know this person, I soon discovered that he had been warring or waging a war in terms of being attracted to another man. And this had been a real battle that he had wrestled with in his life. And at one particular point, something happened and this caused a blow-up, a blow-up, a blow-up, blow-up, whatever, and it became somewhat exposed and and then he came and, and he really began to seek counseling. He began to seek to bring his life into alignment with the Word of God. And you know, we really began to walk with this guy. We also, even uh, he, he was with a specialist counselor, counseling into this area, and myself and one of the other leaders we began to meet and walk with this guy for a long period of time. And we even spent about a period of two years meeting on a consistent basis, walking together, talking with him, keeping him accountable, keeping him propped up, keeping him going and keeping him going. But there was a day that he decided, he chose to let go. Doesn't matter what expert counselors you may have, it doesn't matter who you may be accountable to or who you might be walking with, if you choose in your heart to let go, you can actually let go. And there was a day that he decided, I'm going to let go. I'm not going to try to become more like Jesus. Now I'm just going to do what my flesh wants. And it was sad to see how destruction began to come into that guy's life wasn't too long ago that he ended up marrying the person, this gentleman that he had a relationship with. He ended up marrying this guy. But a beautiful family got shattered, absolutely shattered through this process. But you know what? It always affects the whole family. It affects the household. Not long ago I heard that his daughter had gotten pregnant She's now moved in, living with this guy, and here starts a vicious cycle in a particular family. And so he destroyed his family. He has set such a terrible example for his kids, and now his kids are, are in his house, and when they come into his house, what kind of a picture do they see? They don't see a picture that models what is pure, what is beautiful. And he decided to let go, and there's been so much destruction. I want to say to you, it's not worth letting go. Even though your knuckles might be white, you need to hold fast the confession of your faith. Another guy, 
that used to hold fast, but then he began to release his grip on the grace of God and he began to get into legalistic Jewish roots theology. He also threw away so much of a beautiful thing that he had. And destruction and legalism has come onto his life. I want to say to you, church, you need to hold on. You need to hold fast the confession of your faith. We need to hold fast to what we believe. You know what? We must even cherish the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must keep on trusting God. We must never let go. And also it says, hold fast our confession. To say with us that we need to keep track of what we are confessing over our lives. Don't speak death over yourself. Don't speak negativity over yourself. Speak life over yourself because that is the only thing that Jesus Christ speaks over you. He speaks life. He speaks hope. He speaks future. He speaks encouragement over your life. And Sometimes it's amazing for me how people actually break themselves down. I was in the foyer the other day talking to somebody and admittedly he's quite new in the Lord, but he began to swear about himself. I said, hey, but we're in church here. You know? <laughs> he began to swear about himself describing himself and what a piece of rubbish he was. I thought, my friend, don't do that. And I said to him, I said, you know what? This is a place of restoration. God wants to restore you here. Another lady I was chatting in the foyer the other day, she began to describe how useless she was and how she's never been able to hold it together in her family life and so on. And I challenged her. I said, do not confess that over your life. I said, speak the truth or zip your lip and keep quiet. But we have to hold fast to what we believe. And we have to hold fast to that confession. So watch what your mouth is saying. Number four, let us not be afraid to come to God for help. This is the fourth, let us, that we see in Hebrews. Let us not be afraid to come to God for help. Look at verse 15 and 16. It says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. I love this scripture. It's one of my favorite in the Bible. That we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. Don't believe any lies about God's character. He is gracious. He is merciful. He wants to do a work of restoration in your life. Listen to this statement. The more we come to Him, the sooner we become like Him. R.T. Kendall, one of the well-known preachers that was uh, in the UK for so many years, he spoke of how he sensed in his relationship with the Lord that the Holy Spirit was so much like a dove. And that when R.T., he said when he would do things that would not be pleasing to the Lord, it's as though the dove would kind of fly off. And then as he was rectify his heart, the dove would draw closer. The gentle Spirit of God would draw closer. Now, the Spirit of God never leaves you. But experiencing the reality of His presence is also dependent on if we are being pure. The pure in heart shall see God, the Bible says. And he said, you know what? The older he has become and the more he's been serving the Lord, the more desperate he is to not let the dove fly away. 
the more desperate he is to quickly get on his knees and say, God, I'm sorry, I blew it with that thing that I put in my heart. I blew it. And he says, God is faithful to allow the experience of his presence to be more fully felt as we earnestly desire him. Number five, let us press on to maturity. And if you look at Hebrews 6, verse 1, we see the next let us. It says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Now the translation says maturity. Not laying again the foundation. Now I said it a little earlier, but just to reiterate that God's plan is for you, sir, for you, ma'am, to go on and not to stay where you're at. To me, my, my mom is a beautiful example of, of somebody who has continued on in her walk with the Lord. She's been serving God for so many years, but still her heart longs for more of God. Still she loves to spend time in the presence of the Lord. She loves to get on her bed sometimes in the afternoon and, and uh, put the hot water bottle under her feet and read the Word and, and begin to just commune with God and spend time with the Lord. God plans for us to go on, not to stop where we're at. Now, an immature Christian, if I can put it this way, an immature Christian oftentimes battles with this kind of thing. Condemnation, believing that God's not pleased with them, and a feeling of, I'm not good enough. If you battle a tremendous amount with those things, I'm not good enough, condemnation, feeling God's not pleased with me, I want to say to you that I believe that God wants to take you from that place to a place of being secure in Jesus Christ. He wants to take you on from actually what is not fully grown state in God. He wants to take you on to a place where you are secure, not in your own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ that you have been clothed in. And if you do make a mistake, you quickly run to God, you sort it out, and you walk in the righteousness of God. Maturity takes us beyond the ABCs of Christianity and on to the deeper things in God. Lastly, number six, let us keep on drawing near in confidence. Turn to chapter 10 of Hebrews, please. There's 13 of these let us phrases. This is number 6. Um, Hebrews 10 and verse 22. It says there, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. This evil conscience is what I referred to just now. I'm not good enough. You know, I'm not okay. I'm not pleasing God. God wants to cleanse you and sprinkle you of that and get you drawing closer to Him and having our bodies washed with pure water. How do we draw close to God? One of the ways is through the blood of Jesus. But if you're washed in the blood of Jesus, you're always washed in the blood of Jesus so you can just come. Another way in which we come is with childlike faith. And you can have a perpetual heart attitude 
of dependence, of childlike faith. And so it's not a formula when you come to God. You just come with the right heart attitude. How do we come and draw near? By desire. And another one, how do we draw near to God? This is it, the most simple way. By simply turning to God. You can do it anyway. I know that there's so many people in this church, you love turning your affection to God. You can be in the middle of a major traffic jam on the N1 parking lot, and you can be stuck there, but you know what? You pop on a CD, and you can steal away with God, because you love to draw near to Him. So many of you that are here today, you love it when we worship God like this. And when we started singing in the Spirit a little bit earlier, you loved it because you love to draw near to God. Not just like everyone, but even that bit deeper. You love it. You love to draw near to God. And the thing is, God says that if you do, I will draw near to you. Why do some people have uh, a greater experience of God, it's simply because they're pushing in a little bit deeper. Why did John, the, uh, the disciple, experience a little bit more of God? Because he said, there's a place on Jesus' chest that belongs to me. I'm going to get into the presence of God. So number one, let us be careful that we don't miss the fullness of God's blessing. Number two, let us realize that it involves effort on our part. Three, let us hold fast to what we believe. Hold fast. Four, let us not be afraid to come to God for help. There's the throne of grace. Number five, let us press on to maturity. Not stay where we are, but move further in God. Number six, let us keep on drawing near in confidence. Would you please stand as we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this body of believers here today. I thank you, Lord, that you've got us on a journey. And it's a journey into the heart of God. And one day the final consummation of that journey will be Jesus Christ when we look at you face to face and we become like you in an instant. Lord, I thank you that we can pursue a life of following after you. I pray for a hunger to grow in our hearts. I pray for a dissatisfaction with the status quo. And I pray that we would long to burn with the glory of the Lord. And lastly, I speak the blessing of the Lord over you. I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you peace. We all say, Amen. God bless you. Thanks, everybody.